We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike Detail, along with Charlie Long. want to tell everybody at 7 o'clock we'll go inside LSU basketball on the Matt McMahon Show. And... Uh, a little after 6.20 tonight, we'll have David Grubb, host of Hard in the Paint podcast. Also, Pelicans writer for SI will be on with us to talk about the Pelicans. Also, he's a, he also uh, is involved in covering the Saints and, and also college uh, basketball in our area. Charlie, you love this. And the Washington Post has come out with this, that Washington Commanders owner Daniel Snyder is now telling the NFL he wants indemnification if he sells the team. Basically, that he would not, no one could sue him off of anything that happened during his time frame as the owner. And basically, he does not want any future legal liability if he sells the commanders. Or he will sue them, sue the NFL. Oh, boy. Well, you talk about they got a goodie in this guy. Yeah, you talk about they got a headache in this guy. I mean, oh my! Every everything you read about Dan, I don't think I've ever heard one a good article res- report Important. about Dan Snyder. Also, um, and the Washington Post reported this. We talked about it, I think la- middle of last week mm-hmm. that Jeff Bezos's interest uh, in buying and, and Jeff Bezos for people who know, he's the uh, founder of Amazon that basically Snyder has said he will not sell. To Bezos, at this point, said he will not sell the team to Bezos, even if he gives him the best offer, because of the fact that you know um, Bezos is also involved in the newspaper industry. Yeah, <laughs> so, with the Washington Post. With the Washington Post, right? So, man, have they got a tiger by the tail here, or oh, with Daniel Snyder, this who guy. <laughs> he, he has sort of subtly threatened the other owners? Okay, you push me out. But I got dirt on every one of y'all. Well, I want to go back to the Forbes report that we were reading last week about overall NFL team value, because we were the report that we were reading last week about Bezos wanting to buy the Commanders said he was willing to pay seven billion for that team. Right now, according to Forbes, Washington is the sixth highest valued franchise in the NFL. It's pretty. It was surprising to me personally. Five point six billion dollars. So he's paying over one point four billion over value estimated value to potentially purchase them from Dan Snyder, and he's still causing all this ruckus about it. This guy is just a nightmare. 
He's a total, total headache for the league, and he just needs to get out of here. We And uh, today uh, it became official. Jimmy Haslam. Yeah. Uh, now majority owner, Milwaukee Bucks. And the Bucks are now valued at $3.5 billion as the Haslams have bought in. Yeah, and uh, boy, Jimmy hasn't done too well with the Cleveland Browns. Well, everyone hates oh him because God. of that guaranteed deal that he gave to Sean Watson. No, not only that, the stuff even before then, I mean, Jimmy. Well, Jimmy's been involved in a lot yeah, of shady, his, his hat in the shady ring with the sort of deals all across the board. And now he throws his hat into the NBA. And, uh, man, who knows what happens next uh, with all this uh, with Haslam. But now, when you got that type NFL money, and now we've seen it now, uh, Tom Benson was one of the first to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only owning the Saints, but also then buying – the Den Hornets that became the Pelicans basketball team. And now you're seeing a lot of connect the dots between NFL ownership, NBA ownership. Yeah, right. And I mean, Haslam joining in on the Bucks ownership is just a perfect example of that. I, I think that you might see more NFL owners starting to kind of put their hats in the ring with the NBA because the NBA, I mean, the All-Star game didn't do well. But I, I figure that like postseason this year – when, because we we talked with David Grubb about it last week, the NBA postseason this year is going to be exciting, really, really exciting. So I'm looking forward to seeing the numbers of viewership increase from the past few years with the playoff numbers. I think pe- people are going to start to realize that when these playoffs are as unpredictable as say like the MLB or the NFL, that's when people are going to start to keep their eyes and tune into it. Because when you're seeing the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors every year with LeBron James versus Steph Curry year after year after year, it got kind of boring. But now with all the uncertainty, especially in the Western Conference and the the rest of the East outside of the top couple teams. Yeah, because th- that looks to be a Milwaukee. And Boston. Celtics. But the West is wide open. Is It's the wild, wild so West, literally. If you see a lot of those series go seven games and, and really entertaining series against like the best superstars or the best superstars, I think those viewership numbers are going to start to uh, increase. And my point is, is that I think maybe some NFL owners – may think that the NBA is starting to increase in viewership. They might try and get in early. I, I've talked to a guy, and he, he's got quite a bit of coin, and one of the things he was telling me this was the fact that future expansion in the NBA is right around the corner. Yeah, Las it's a, Vegas, it's a, the Seattle. NBA and, the and so <laughs> the thought is let's get in now before the expansion. I would, for the two expansion teams. I would be surprised, Mike, if there's not 32 teams in the NBA by the next three years. And sort of do it like the NFL in breaking down the division. And that's what they're going to do with the MLB as well. I think both. I think all of those three major sports leagues are going to have 32 teams. I think 32 is just a good number. It makes sense. The NFL has kind of proven that. Those four four-team divisions in two 16-team conferences, it just kind of works out. It's very symmetrical. Like It's a good number. So, as you said, Vegas is going to be the next team to get a, a and, uh, basketball franchise. And Seattle is right around the corner with it, too. And Oakland's going to hop sh- Oakland, the Oakland A's are going to hop ship over to Vegas yeah, as well. Yeah, they're going to go to Vegas, and so that's going to be the hub. And Vegas Man. is going to become a four sport city very quickly man just 10 years ago vegas was taboo okay from a professional standpoint uh if it was nba nfl major league baseball man no we don't want to we don't want to deal with that because of gambling now the embracement of gambling all across the world sports wise in america they've been 
Las Vegas's embrace. The Golden Knights were very successful in their yes. first year. They made a run to the Stanley Cup Finals, and then Vegas got kind of proved to the world that they could be a sports city. And now the Raiders are there. The A's are going to be there sooner rather I than mean, later. That, that's going to be pretty quick. And, and then they're also going to be the first in line for an NBA franchise as well. So We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. And David Grubb, who host of Hard in the Paint podcast, also a Pelicans writer for Sports Illustrated right after this break. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with Charlie Long. And on our Oakland Hard Jewelers Talk and Text line, David Grubb from Heart in the Paint podcast, also uh, Pelican Trider for Pelican Scoops SI. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Always a pleasure, Mike. Dave, before we go into the Pelicans talk, i got to ask you one question. You you cover college basketball closer than I do. Your thoughts on Will Wade being a legitimate candidate at Ole Miss? This is basically a year after he was kind of sent adrift by Scott Woodard, and you know, and uh, I think he 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 never was Scott's guy to begin with. So he knew uh, that tick 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 of a clock was happening for him. Eventually, they were going to get rid of him. But this is literally a year after he's gone. And uh, okay, a lot of people say, "Oh, this is nothing more than Will Wade's people putting this out." No, I think it's a little bit more than that. I think in college athletics today. If you didn't get the death penalty, which LSU didn't, I mean, they got a kind of a smack on the wrist for this. Will Wade's eventually going to be a head coach again. And we also know that this is far for the course with Ole Miss. Yeah. Like, this is what they do. I mean, you <laughs> freeze. You know, like, we. this is not a program that's scared of, you know, even when you when they hired, you know, when you take on uh, Kiffin, you're doing something that a lot of people thought of as a move that you're bringing in somebody who may bend the rules a bit. So if you're Ole Miss and you've been a program that hasn't been relevant basketball-wise probably since 1989, yep. you know, when Gerald Glass was dueling with Chris Jackson, yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's really been that long. They had a couple other players since then, but that was when they were good. And it's been a long time. I mean, and, and on the football side, it's a team that has fewer SEC championships than Tulane. So for them, risks mean nothing. What do they have to lose? They're not, they don't care. They've got boosters who'll pay, and they've got people who will, you know, take the heat. So for Ole Miss, what's worse than what they are now, which is irrelevant, at least for them, they, it, it, they'd rather be in the news, it, no matter what people are talking about, than, than be irrelevant. 
This almost sounds like Vince McMahon type thing. Man, listen, as long as you're talking about me, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. You know, you're talking about me. No such bad thing as bad, thing as bad publicity. Yeah, bad news. And uh, the one thing with Will, and I got to know him pretty well uh, when he was coaching here in Baton Rouge, Will sort of embraced the pirate mentality. Listen, I don't care what you think of me. We still winning. You know, we still winning. And, and it isn't that's isn't that the reason you brought me here to win? Now, again, come tournament time, it, it didn't kind of follow suit. But he won a lot of regular season games for the Tigers. Yeah, but who did he beat in the regular season? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, like he doesn't have a signature win. He doesn't have that Dale Brown moment, you know, where you beat off, you beat up um, UNLV or you, you beat Loyola Marymount or something. You know, one of those games, with, with, they'll beat Georgetown in the Superdome in front of what the second largest crowd of all time. Yep, yep. Will Wade doesn't have, he doesn't even have a John Brady moment. You know, so he never got past the second no, round. No, he doesn't have a Brady moment for sure. He doesn't so, have that. You know, like Will Wade is a lot of, he brought in a lot of guys who got highly recruited. Yes. Sure. But even those guys did not develop in the way that you thought that they would. Name a guy under Will Wade who came in and left in a better draft position than when they came in. Nas Reed was a top, was a you know five star pick when he came into LSU. Cam he ended Thomas. Up being undrafted. Cam Thomas, you know, fell to the bottom of the first round. You know, these are guys that you know either if they left after their freshman year, that's one thing. But LSU really didn't develop guys. Under Will Wade, and I think that's why they brought him to LSU in the first place, not just because he could recruit, but because they knew he had done a lot with a little at his other stops. And I think he got caught up in bringing in, try, you know, it's the Kentucky problem. One and done you, stuff. You can never build in a team if everybody on your team is one and done. Yeah, you have a couple, I agree with you. But you're bringing six, seven guys who all think they're going to the league in a year. You can't win that way. Yeah, and uh, the one thing with him was the fact that uh, I think he felt – at one time, fans were with me. You know, fans are backing me. I don't care what the management or the upper tier of LSU thinks of me. I'm winning, and they're not going to fire me, you know, because of what had happened in some of the past results with LSU basketball. And so he was looked at a little bit differently. But, man, uh, to think, if I'd have told you that a year ago, I don't think anybody would have thought that his name is coming up in conversation for a head coaching job anywhere in college football, much less in the SEC. I think it just, again, it shows you the power of, of money. Yep. And just that, that now those tournament bids are becoming even more valuable. Now those TV dollars, you know, you want your, your share of that. And Ole Miss doesn't want to be left out, of the, out in the cold. They have been pretty much that outside of baseball. You know, Ole Miss, they couldn't win an SEC title with, with, with Eli was on the center. They haven't had a basketball team of note in 20, 30 years. So, yeah, if you're Ole Miss, those are the programs that, that will take a shot, you know, on a guy with a, with a stain. It's, it's the same reason that Georgia, after being irrelevant for all those years, brought in, you know, um, from Jim Herrick after he had been on probation at UCLA and at Rhode Island. You know, we've seen this before in the SEC when schools have gotten desperate. I mean, John Calipari has has had Final Fours vacated every school he's been at. Kentucky wasn't worried about that. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, like, this is the SEC, and we know. We know, we, like they say, it means it means more here. Yeah, it means enough for people to say, hey, if you can win, win five more games for us, you're worth the problem. Just think, Dave, toward the end of the regular season this year, when Auburn was knocking on Lane Kiffin's door to 
I got my fool now, okay? He brought me to the brink here. And then he makes a decision. Well, I wasn't really thinking about going to Auburn. Come on, that's a lot of horse hockey. You know damn well he was thinking about jumping because of what Auburn was willing to pay at that point. But, man, they, they gave him exactly what he wanted to stay at Ole Miss. Yeah, I think Ole Miss needs to understand who they are. Yeah. You know, they are launching pad programs and destination programs. And I think they don't understand that Lane Kiffin – you're only as loyal as your options. And right now, Lane Kiffin doesn't have a better option. And Auburn was not a better option at that moment. Because, I mean, to me, quite frankly, why would you leave to go to Auburn, which is showing you that they don't really care about job security either. You know, you could go undefeated at Auburn two years later, you're fired. Yeah, the boosters there sort of control. They got a couple of them there to sort of control things uh, behind the scenes. Charlie's got a question for you, Yeah, so David, hopping from college hoops to the NBA, we had you on last week and we talked about the wild, wild west. And outside of the 14 and 15 teams, the Spurs and the Rockets, they're just counting lottery balls at this point. Every single team, 1 to 13, is either on a 1, 2, or 3 game winning or losing streak. There's been such stagnation. No team can figure out how to go on a long winning streak or a long losing streak. And because of that, it's still super tightly congested in the middle. The Pelicans are starting to slip, though, with that 3 game losing streak that they're on. They're in the 10th spot with a 30 and 31 record. It just feels like they need a spark, David. I... I it's hard to explain. They, they seem like they're dead in the water right now with 20 games left. Who do you think can really provide that spark? Dave, the other thing, too, is, and I hear it everywhere I go, and, and these are people that sort of bought into it in the offseason, went back and get season tickets, went back and get floor tickets for a couple of them, is, man, you know what I don't like about this team? Okay, Zion's down. I, I get that. Where's the energy? Where's the yeah, energy none, you see especially in the from, start this, of games. from this basketball team? And I think that gets under their skin more than, okay, we all knew there were going to be some downtime for Zion. Okay, if you didn't think that, then you weren't paying attention. But it's the lack of energy on this team. I mean, you saw Willie Green talk about this team has not played with a sense of urgency for a while. And we've talked about that on this show. Yes. And, you know, it's there's nothing – as, as much heat as Willie Green is taking, and I do believe Willie Green, you know, it, there's no coach in any sport that hasn't figured out in their second year. But part of this, you know, you got this is a systemic thing. You got to have, you got to look at David Griffin on one side, which helps create this situation by this is the this is the natural part of not getting rid of Alvin Gentry year one, and not bringing in your young coach to make mistakes when mistakes were okay. So you went through a year with Alvin, you went through a year with uh, Stan, and now you're in year two with um, Willie. And over the last 101 games that this team has played since the C.J. McCollum trade, there have been 101 games this team has played. They are 50 and 51. That tells you that there's not been the growth. Zion Williamson has only been present for 29 of those 101 games. So to me, they should know what it's like to play without Zion well enough. Yep. That's all these guys have done is play without Zion. So to me, the energy, like you said, the, the execution, the lack of intensity, the lack of energy to start ball games. Look, you came out the two games after the break and you get blown out. Essentially, that Toronto game wasn't as close as it ended up being. You know, the, the Knicks embarrassed them. The Lakers embarrassed them before the break. So this, is, this has been consistent for the Pelicans. And we're talking about a team now – in Orlando, they haven't beaten Orlando in five years at home, almost six. This will be six years if they lose the night that, that they have not beaten Orlando at home. 
And Orlando's not a good team, hasn't been for quite some time, and yet the Pelicans cannot beat them. This is bigger than this individual group of players. They quit four years ago under Alvin in the bubble. We saw them quit in the bubble, right? They lost every game they played down there. The next year, they quit, understand. The last 20 games, they were done. They all said, we don't like Stan, we don't want to be around him. When they played okay last year, the end of the year, like I said, it's an overblown thing, how people talked about the end of last season, backing in the playoffs. And now this year, again, you're seeing this lull in this team. So what does that tell you? It's not just the coach. It's on those guys in the locker room. And in basketball, more than any other sport, look, football, I can have the best players, but if my coaches are putting me out of position, there's nothing I can do. If we're calling bad plays, if I don't have a quarterback, some things are just not going to happen no matter how much talent I got. The basketball, the start of this is effort. Are you going to run up and down the floor? We don't see the Pelicans doing that. Are you going to pass the basketball? Are you going to cut when you don't have the basketball? They're not doing the simple things. Yeah, Dave, uh, I was talking to an NBA executive in the offseason, and he really praised what Willie had done late in the year last year. He said, I think he did a really good job uh, considering everything was there. But he said, man, I'm telling you, the worst year for a coach and the growth year for a coach is year two. Because now we find out exactly sort of the kind of coach Willie Green really is. Okay, how he handles a lot of different things. They got off to a bad start last year, and then they were able to pick it up. But he said, Mike, I'm telling you, year two, and he said, you you know Williamson's going to be down for some time, and there may be other things that happen. Year two tells you a lot about a head coach at any level, if it's pro football, NBA, Major League Baseball. You sort of get a pass in year one, and sometimes there's a little bit of hype to it on how you manage the team in year one. But he said year two is the real test of what you got. And I think that, you know, Willie's struggling with that test. And uh, Again, I don't, I don't know if his staff, a bunch of coaches who are fine individual coaches, if you take them at their resume, but when you're building your staff, None of them have ever had lead assistant as their job. None of them have ever had head coach as their job. And I think that that's an issue for a guy as he's trying to figure these things out. Because Willie himself talked about, I have to do better at holding people accountable. If you had an older veteran coach standing next to you, he's going to tell you, you got you some ass, coach. You got to do that, coach. And they're going to they're gonna be okay with saying that. But if everybody in your staff is your peer, essentially, same age range, played, you know, same time, the guys who were players, they've all been around the same time. I think it's a little bit harder for them to be, you know, blunt and to be honest because they're all still at the nascent stages of their careers. And I think Willie has to be unafraid to lose this job. You have to coach. And if you coach and you do your best and you do the things you think are right and you lose the job, then that's what it'll be. But you can't try to make people happy. And I think that, you know, sometimes Willie is trying to, you know, to, to be everything to everybody. And I think you just can't be that. Sometimes you got to be the jerk. David, if this team turns it around, what do you think will be the keys to it? If they turn it around. <laughs> I use that term, literally. The biggest thing is going to be who's going who's gonna to lead this team. Yep. Brandon Ingram is scoring, and that's fine. But he's not leading. C.J. McCollum's not leading right now because he's not playing well enough to lead, to set the example. So who's setting the tone for this team? And I think if Brandon Ingram isn't going to be that guy, 
Like, this is where you learn everything you're going to need to know about Brandon Ingram as a franchise player. We're watching guys put up 70 points, 50-point nights. It's time for Brandon Ingram to put one of those nights together. And you, you got one home game tonight, and then you go back on the road for three very difficult games because you're going to play Dame Lillard at 70, 71 <laughs> points. You know, then you go to Golden State, and you got to deal with Steph Curry and his ability to put up points. And then you go and you got to play uh, Dallas when you come back home. So, I mean, it doesn't get any easier for this team. They got to play Sacramento on the road. And the Kings are really good right now. So, it doesn't get easier. They have to win this game tonight. Like, it is a must win because they will fall out of the playoffs completely. They lose tonight. David, speaking of falling out of the playoffs, I, looking at the standings, because if they really don't get it together, it is quite very possible that they do fall out of this playing tournament and don't even have a chance to make it into the playoffs. If that were to happen this season, I don't. I've seen people freak out about Willie Green. I don't think I kind of agree with you that I think this is more on the players than it is on Willie. What kind of moves need to be made in the off season? You got to shore up the center position. Like it's clear that they're not either. You don't want to use Jonas anymore offensively, or you don't have the players who can help use him. So to me, you got to fix up the center position again, and you need a point guard. And the third choice you're going to have to make is Zion or B.I. There is no Zion and B.I. as far as I'm concerned. And I know that makes a lot of people upset. But you can't bet on two guys who are going to miss more than a third of your season every year. You, you just can't do it in the NBA. You, we've, you know, we talked about this. You can have one guy. You can have one guy that you build around, and when he misses time, your team is still pretty complete. But you can't have two guys that you're counting on like that because that holds your roster hostage. And the Pelicans roster has been held hostage. And I think it shows that David Griffin understands, at least in that sense, where this team is now in retrospect by him not making any other moves. Because I don't think he thinks this team can do much better. Um, after his comments in Oklahoma City when he said it's on the players that they weren't living up to their thing, I think his focus, anybody who thinks that Willie Green is on a hot seat, is confused. He's not going anywhere. Not firing no, he ain't coach. going anywhere. Oh. They're not firing their third coach in five years, four years. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. David, uh, in the East, uh, I think it's pretty clear-cut there when you see Milwaukee and you see Boston. And and I would probably throw the 76ers in there also. I I think those three teams certainly cut above. In the West, man, you you can kind of roll the dice on everybody. I know you like the Clippers a lot more than, say, someone else would. Uh, Is there another team out West that you could, say, kind of keep an eye on uh, late here that could get hot and really make a run at this? You know, I hate to say it, but it's starting to feel like the Lakers are one of those. Because of those trade <laughs> deadline the acquisitions, David. Like, they go out and they get all these good players like D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley on the cheap, and then they just improve their roster like tenfold, and now they're going to be making a push not only to the play-in tournament, but into the playoffs. I, I'm, I'm worried about the Lakers if I'm, if I'm a Pels fan. I really am. I, you know, you hate it. You hate to see it. And um, because, you know, Pelicans fans were pretty rough on the Lakers early in the year when the Lakers were struggling. And now um, you have a rested LeBron and a driven LeBron who certainly doesn't want to go out um, another year without the postseason. And, the, you know, that strength of schedule thing for the Pelicans just isn't planning out. And what you it's about how you're playing. No matter who's the opponent, if you're playing poorly, you're going to lose. And right now the Pelicans are, have no sense – that they're picking it up, that they're getting it together. And you watch these other teams in the West. Like you said, they're either on these one game, maybe two, but more of them than not 
have been playing better than the Pelicans as of late. And that is such a big problem because even the games you see uh, Denver lose the other night, it still looks like they're playing really well. You look at Michael Porter Jr. You say he's getting healthy. He's starting to score. Jamal Murray's averaging, you know, his career high in assists. Jokic is already, you know, two-time MVP. So everybody else is doing the things that you think that they need to do. Um, I'm scared that the Lakers could really, you know, put a push on late. And again, it's such a matchup driven thing. Who's the best player in the series? Even at 38 years old, LeBron James could still be the best player in a couple of series. To your point, David, the Lakers are on that three-game winning streak, which is tied for the biggest in the Western Conference. (laughs) The Pelicans are on a three-game losing streak, which outside, once again, throwing away the Rockets and the Spurs because once they're they're counting lottery balls at this point, the Pelicans are on the longest losing streak in the Western Conference, tied with the Timberwolves. And even the Timberwolves are ahead of the Pelicans. Well, not ahead, not ahead right now, but I mean, it's just it's. I think even the Timberwolves have more of a sense of purpose and identity. I think that's the thing with the Pelicans, too, is who are they? What are they? I don't think anyone knows, and that's a terrible place to be at this stage of the season. You know, it, it, This feels very much like um, – it, it just feels like what we've seen in the past. It feels like deja vu. Almost like a rerun. We've seen this all over again. Yeah. Rerun of a show. show. Yeah. I don't like this show. <laughs> Why do they keep <laughs> running these episodes? <laughs> Dave, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. You always do a great job, and we appreciate your insights. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. David Grubb, host of Hard in the Paint podcast, also for Pelican Scoop and Pelican's writer for SI.com. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with Charlie Long. Charlie, uh, you like to – David's uh, take on the Lakers. Uh, you hate it. the Lakers as much as Abear does, but uh, man, uh, no. But I agree. It, you look a, at what's happened since that trade, those trades, and that trade deadline. Mike, do you remember the night of the deal? Like, when I remember I, you walked in. I walked in and I was so angry. I'm just like, they got three really good rotational pieces for by nothing. giving up Russell Westbrook and a first round pick. If the Pelicans could have added D'Angelo Russell. And Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, I think we'd be talking a lot different about this Pels team. Those are three really solid role players. I mean, D'Lo's near a star, but Jared Vanderbilt showed that he's going to be a guy that gets 25 to 30 minutes a game in playoff series. And Malik Beasley shooting nearly 40% from three. So, I mean, the fact that they added all those pieces for such little giveaway you just kind of knew that the Lakers were going to go on a run late. And, and if be they a, can keep Anthony Davis healthy. If, yeah, that's a big that's It's a big, big if. Well. well, we're actually just getting a report from ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski, saying that uh, LeBron James may be out for a couple weeks of a foot injury. But at the same time, if LeBron goes down and they keep winning with these role players that they got in that Minnesota deal, Mike, David's right. The Lakers are going to be hard to stop, and I hate the Lakers. I hate saying that so much, <laughs> but they're they're a team that's going to pass the Pelicans up if things keep uh, keep going as they are. Yeah, you hate the the Lakers like Abe hates the Cowgirls. So uh, that's a fact. <laughs> we'll be back to finish it up here on Sports Talk on the Big Eight Seventy right after this break. We're finishing up here on Sports Talk on the Big Eight Seventy. Mike Detail along with Charlie Long. I want to tell everybody at seven o'clock inside LSU basketball Matt McMahon show. Uh, Charlie, uh, we have uh, on text 0732 asking about Zion and the injuries and will it continue? My answer is yes. 
Look at the track record of where he's been injured. Right side, right ankle, right foot, right hamstring. Okay? It's the way he's built. Okay? He's not faking this. Okay? He's not. It is legitimate injuries, and it's on his right side. And so to answer your question about will this continue, yes, he is going to spend downtime. Uh, that, okay, that's just part of, of signing him to this long-term deal. You knew that, that he was going to miss some time. Maybe not as much as we've seen, but we all knew he was going to miss some time. And I've done this for a long time. When that starts to add up on that right side, hamstring, ankle, foot, tells you something. It's like Bobby said. He's hell when he's well, but you're never going to get him for an 82-game season. Never. It's just never going to happen. It's it's just not going to happen. Charlie, you got some information. (laughs) Derek Carr. Yeah, so uh, from Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network, he said, quarterback Derek Carr is heading to Indianapolis to meet with several teams as his free agency comes into focus. It's about finding the right fit. You know what that tells me? Yeah. Ain't nobody spun him the type money he thought he was going to get. Well, wasn't that what we were saying last week, though? When that number came up, $35 million, when when it popped up, it was – like that that means that the market is lower for Derek Carr. It's around the twenty five to thirty and his agent is putting out. I think out it's that closer to the thirty the twenty nine to thirty one. Right. I think the agent is trying to hop this to thirty five. Get as much as he can out of it. Uh, because he knows this is the last deal for Derek. Last major one. And he sees a market that needs quarterbacks so bad. Okay, this is what you're going to have to pay. The fact that he would go to Indianapolis to continue these talks tells you no one has come up to that mark. It's more around 30 than the 35. I agree. I agree. And I think that they're going to be trying to meet with multiple teams, but I don't know if anyone's interested enough to pay him 35. The interesting part for me is that the Jets had sold him all that nonsense about you're going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer if you come here to the Jets and win Man, here. That... But they're not going but they're not going to be able to pay him 35 million? Come on. Really? So so that's telling me you tell this guy you you'll be a first ballot Hall exactly. of Famer Something's but I'm here. not going to pay you 35 million dollars? There's a disconnect, Mike. And where are the Panthers in this? Because we always thought they would be a major player. I imagine the Panthers will probably be one of those teams that are meeting with them. Rap didn't put any number on it. He said he just said multiple teams will be meeting with Carr. And I bet one of those teams will one meet of with him is again. Going to be Carolina and the Saints. Yeah, getting a second meeting, maybe even with the Jets as well. Uh, yeah, and how reports out of New York. And man, this would really be odd. But I've seen other things before. The Jets' interest in Geno Smith. Going back to New York, huh? (laughs) Back to the old stomping grounds, Mike. Uh, Yeah, Sean Connery said it years ago. Never say never. Never say never. And again, I think this is Geno's agent basically saying, man, we not getting thought Seattle would offer us, so let's throw the Jets in the mix. And I know who to go to. Go to one of the national guys that will run with that garbage information. But what's what's the falling out from – Geno Smith going to New York because the Seahawks are the number five overall pick because of that Russell Wilson trade from Denver. Do they maybe enter the conversation and move up to number one overall with Chicago and take Bryce Young? I I do know one thing. I mean, Jimmy Ursay has not, I mean, he has been on the edge of saying, I want Bryce Young under 
all circumstances. It's going to be a bidding war for, for uh, Chicago. And so that'll be interesting with it. Charlie, thanks so much. Appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. And the Matt McMahon Show comes on next right here on the Big 870. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.